This is Chanel Bunger with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, and today I'm excited to speak with Alan Condon, Editor-in-Chief at Becker's Healthcare, who keeps us updated regularly on healthcare trends that he's keeping an eye on. Jacob, thank you as always for joining me today. Why don't you take it away and tell us about some of the things that you're seeing out there? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Chanel. I'm excited to be back on the podcast with you. Two big stories I want to touch on today um, after speaking with a variety of CEOs over the last couple of weeks. So what first story is coming out of New Jersey, and that is that the New Jersey's Department of Health has asked CarePoint Health, which is a three hospital system in New Jersey, to provide to provide state officials with its hospital disaster plans um, amid the health system's ongoing financial challenges. Um, so state officials argue that CarePoint's three safety net hospitals are at risk of further financial deterioration. Um, amid consistent low days of cash on hand and negative operating margins. Just a quick note on that, all hospitals in New Jersey are required to have disaster plans, which should include, um, for example, a list of hospitals for relocating patients, um, emergency procedures for evacuating patients, and also some plans in place in case there is an interruption in services. So state officials have asked CarePoint to provide them with its disaster plan. So I spoke with CarePoint CEO, Dr. Shinta Mulek last week, just to kind of get a little bit more background on what's going on um, at the health system. So I'm going to dive deeper into the reasons behind the, the financial challenges there. So essentially, Dr. Mulek had said that the uncompensated care demands, escalating homelessness, um, workforce challenges and really rising healthcare costs across the board and left the system in a, in a bit of a financial bind. So, for example, some of the, some of the things that Dr. Miller had mentioned that they saw a really big spike in charity care and uninsured patients last year. About more than 50% of its patients are now underinsured or uninsured completely. So, almost 100,000 patients visit one of CarePoint's emergency departments each year. But since the pandemic, um, about 57,000 of those patients, patients came under charity care or self-pay. So I guess just for a little bit more context around that, Dr. Mulek has said that the national median for charity care for hospitals is about 1.4%. And he said that care points hospitals are seeing more than 10%, which obviously makes things very, very difficult from a financial standpoint. Um, so I, I guess the last note on CarePoint there is that last month they had actually signed a letter of intent with Hudson Regional, Regional Hospital in Secaucus, New Jersey to essentially combine under a new management company which would encapsulate four hospitals, CarePoint, three states net and Hudson Regional Hospital. Um, that, that again is a, is a letter of intent, it's a proposed agreement. Um, they'll have to kind of work through a lot of due diligence to get to a definitive letter in terms of the next couple of months. And then obviously that will come with regulatory and state approval as well. Um, so a bit of an update on what's going on at Careport in New Jersey there. And the other thing I wanted to touch on was moving on to more of some of the financial challenges and opportunities for rural hospitals. So I've been following the rural emergency hospital designation quite closely over the last 13 months or so since CMS made it available. So far, 19 hospitals have converted to this rural emergency hospital status, but it seems like from talking to a few CEOs over the last couple of weeks that a lot more hospital leaders are more seriously considering this designation as a way to stay open, afloat, and give a bit of a boost to its finances, and obviously continue to provide those critical healthcare services in their communities. So essentially, the designation really aims to curb rural hospital closures, 
by offering them a chance to close infrequently used inpatient beds and focus more on outpatient and emergency department services. So by relinquishing those inpatient beds and focusing solely on outpatient and emergency care, rural emergency hospitals have received about a 5% increase in Medicare payments, um, as well as an average facility fee payment of about $3.2 million a year. So um, about 19 hospitals, they said that, that debut inaugural class that kind of made the transition in 2023. Um, one CEO I was talking to, Deirdre Sorrell, the CEO of Clifton Fine Hospital in New York. Um, that's a critical asset access facility that's operating at about a $2.7 million loss. Um, Deirdre said that she's been really monitoring what the rural emergency hospital designation has done to those initial hospitals. Um, and really, she's pretty much aiming to be the first New York facility to make that switch herself, um, getting ready to submit an application with the New York Department of Health after doing a thorough financial analysis. And, and I guess it comes down to that that'll really help out her hospital there. Um, another couple of hospitals that are considering the designation or pursuing it are Rush County Memorial Hospital in Kansas, uh, also Warren Memorial Hospital in Nebraska, among a few others as well. So I think it's um, just as it took time for hospitals to warm up to the critical access hospital designation. Seems the same for the rural emergency hospital designation, but certainly seems like amid these ongoing financial challenges, especially in rural, uh, rural communities, uh, we're seeing a lot more help hospitals and leaders start to look at that designation a little more closely and take it a bit more seriously as well. So two big stories, I guess, just one obviously an ongoing situation in terms of what's happening in New Jersey with CarePoint Health, and then a bit of an update in terms of what hospitals are pursuing the rural emergency hospital designation this year as well from CMS. Alrighty. Well, thank you as always for joining me today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Alan. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Janelle. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.